Mark here. Mark 2.0. What a show we have for you tonight. I'm going to toss it over to Gordon to introduce our next guest. Can I tell you, we are super excited to have with us today a man who played 15 years in the NFL. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, quarterback who brought Tampa Bay its first ever Vince Lombardi trophy and a man who never lost a Super Bowl game. And as much fame as he got from his NFL career, I think he might be even more famous right now with his viral trick shot basketball wi wizardry, which is blowing up on platforms like Instagram and TikTok. We give you big bad Brad Johnson, welcome to the podcast, sir. I'm doing great. I appreciate the uh, intro there. <laughs> appreciate you guys reaching out and look forward to spending some time with you here and sharing some stories. So I have a lot of fun. Oh, fantastic. Uh, you know, I want to ask your, your, the, these TikTok videos, Instagram videos you're doing of your trick shots. I wasn't aware of the fact that you were a star basketball player in high school and that you also played basketball for Florida State. Yep. And yeah, I, I grew up. I grew up in a Black Mountain, North Carolina. Um, loved basketball. My dad ran summer camps uh, in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, called Camp Ridgecrest. in Crest Ridge. I grew up with some kind of ball in my hand, playing two square, four square, dodgeball, archery, basketball. You name it, I was doing it. And um, basketball was my love, and um, I was a Scored 2,400 points in high school, and, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to play at the college level. And then uh, I actually went on to play, you know, go on a football scholarship at Florida State, and then I actually ended up playing two years of basketball at, uh, at Florida State. But uh, And then I knew that, you know, a six-foot-five guy that couldn't guard anybody wouldn't have a long career, so I ended up choosing football to make it my career. But definitely done a lot of these TikToks and Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff with these trick shots. Had a lot of fun with football and basketball and try to make in my in videos, I try to make them multiple, not just a one trick shot lucky thing, kind of make it three, four, maybe five shots in a row, some crazy shots you've maybe ne never seen before. So I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched a few of them and wow. I mean, watching you going full length yeah. with a football and swishing it, but yeah answered a question for me so your first love was really basketball yeah it was I mean I played basketball from the second grade all the way through my freshman year of college never missed a day I had keys to gyms all all everywhere if it wasn't if I wasn't in some gym I was in my backyard playing so loved it and um really had a hard time deciding what I wanted to play in college I, I love basketball football I I was an all-american in high school but I think it's more just because of my size and potential more than what I really accomplished and uh, didn't know much about three and five step drops or cover three, cover two, just the simplistic things. And But basketball, I mean, I loved it. Watched it on TV, played it. Uh, the guy in front of me that grew, went to my high school was a guy named Brad Doherty, who uh, played in North Carolina. He actually played in the NBA for a while. And a guy named Roy Williams actually used to coach at my high school. And <laughs> he later on became a Hall of Fame coach who just retired from University of North Carolina too. So that was in our blood from where I grew up. But I just knew in the end, if I was going to ever make it to the professional level, that I was going to have to choose football. Okay. Brad, 
what was it like to play with all these, you know, Hall of Famers or some of the top receivers around and people like Dion? Yeah, if, if you're gonna play at the, the highest level, NFL level, then you're gonna play with you're gonna play with great players, you're gonna play against great players. And some of the receivers that I played with were um, Jake Reed and Randy, uh, Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Tim Brown and Irvin Fryer and Keenan McCardell, Joe Jerry Vicious, Keenan McCardell and Trail Owens and Jason Witten. I mean, play with a, a plethora. And I, I'm not naming half the guys I played with in my career, but I, I was fortunate enough to throw Chris Carter and Tim Brown's 100th touchdown pass through um, Randy Moss, his first touchdown pass, through Chant Bailey, his first, touch, first catch through uh, Warren Sapp's first touchdown pass. If you play long enough, you're going to be part of a lot of good. And then you can also have some negative too. But, uh, man, I'm fortunate enough to play with some, a lot of great players and great coaches along the way too. I got to play for uh, – at Florida State was Mark Richt and, and Bobby Bowd. And then my NFL career with Denny Green and Brian Billick and Norv Turner and Tony Dungy and John Gruden and uh, Brad Childress. And, Mike Tice and Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett were my coaches. So, I mean, it's just the list goes long, but just fortunate enough those guys love football as much as I did. Now, was there a time in Minnesota when you, you know, uh, just blew up there and they were selling your jerseys in the store? Because I remember it was high school. You know, I'm from Michigan and I was a Bears fan and I was just overwhelmed with your success and blown away by you. And I remember going to the sporting goods store and ordering one of your jerseys, one of your Vikings jerseys. Yeah, it's really so it says a lot about you, yeah. you know, as a Bears yeah. fan going to buy one of your yeah. jerseys. <laughs> I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you very much. I know you got the Redskin jersey on today. So yeah, I appreciate you supporting me. But it's really cool as a player, the very first time you go into the locker room and you see your you see your jersey hanging up and it's got your name on the back of it. It's really cool. And then it's really cool when you walk into a mall and, you know, whatever the, the sports store is, you look and you're like, yeah, I lay my name, my, my jersey's up on the, it's, it's up on the, on the rack. You know what I mean? It's really cool because that's what you've done as a little kid. And I remember, you know, going around looking at other pro players and looking at their jerseys. And now my jersey's up there with those guys. So it's, it's really cool and honor that people would even buy my jersey. I wanted to ask, yeah. Now you went, uh, I had to look this up. I, I, I would have guessed that you would have been, you know, big six foot five, you know, 230 ish pound quarterback. I assume that guy go, you know, a guy with your background goes, you know, first, second, third round late. And you went in the ninth round yeah. of the NFL yeah. draft. Yeah. And, but then I remembered, of course, you hear about guys like Tom Brady and, and Joe Montana, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks who seem to go in the later rounds. And yeah. then, you know, you, you, when you came in to the league, you weren't tabbed as being a starting quarterback the way a, a Peyton Manning was first round, you know, first pick overall. Yeah. It was uh, like coming into the league as a late round selection. Right. Well, Tom Brady, he actually started for two years at Michigan. Joe Montana, he started at Notre Dame. You right. know what I mean? For me at Florida State, I didn't really – I only started one game my senior year. So, again, we kind of go back to the beginning of our conversation. I, I was so in love with basketball. I was kind of a late bloomer. And right. the guy I was competing against, my best friend at that time, was Casey Weldon at, uh, at Florida State. He was actually the number one team in the country. And 
he ended up playing the pros also. And we were drafted the same year, came in the same year, drafted the same year, which is very unique. The only other quarterbacks that have done that were uh, Mark Brunel and Billy, uh, Billy Joe Hobart at University of Washington. So I was just behind a, a player that was better than me at that time in college. And so I was fortunate enough to get drafted. And the guy that drafted me was a guy named Jack Burns, who actually recruited me in high school at the University of Louisville. He just kind of kept up my career. He knew I was maybe a diamond in the rough and just someone that they could groom and, and bring on. So I was not one of those guys that you would draft early because when you draft a guy early, you like expect him to play like right away. I was a guy that when I went to Minnesota, there was uh, Wade, uh, Rich Cannon, Wade Wilson, and Sean Salisbury. So I was kind of, you know, it's going to be a long process. And I didn't get, I didn't get snaps for my first couple of years, not in games, in practice. I didn't get very many practice squad snaps just because of uh, against the scout team, just because of the other quarterbacks. So it's tough to it's tough to make it in the league. Fortunate enough that Minnesota drafted me in ninth round. I was the 14th quarterback drafted in that round, uh, and the 227th pick. So it's a pretty pretty cool story. Oh, it's an amazing story. Uh, as someone who has you know who's from Michigan, what was it like to beat the Lions in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I'd I actually, mean, the Lions uh, always lose, but what yeah. was it like to win that playoff game? <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was really cool. I was, uh, I'd, I'd actually my first year in Washington, and um, we got to the playoffs, and as we were hosting again, Washington, we hadn't hosted in seven years, eight, eight or nine years, hadn't been to the playoffs. So, played Detroit in the first round of the playoffs, a wild card game, and and um, we jumped on them big. I don't know if you remember that. And then uh, I had a pick about the third quarter. And then this guy named Robert Porsche, you remember him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he came after me. You can find the, you can find the stuff. But he came after me. And we got into a big brawl, crazy fight. I mean, it was all out. Both teams came out like a big, like, like a hockey fight. And uh, but it, was, it was a big victory for us. I think we went 27-14. And, and uh, so it was fun to you know, beat up on Detroit at that time. So I think I had a lot of wins against Detroit. It kind of helped out my career. <laughs> you talk about um basketball being your first love i um uh, i never got anywhere near your level i played high school basketball high school football and i'll tell you something football is work basketball is yeah. fun yeah i uh, yeah. uh the 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 work that goes in you play once a week, you got film days, you got practice days. You're talking about being a third or fourth stringer when you came into the league and not getting reps under, you know, under center, not getting to, you know, right. work through things because you're so down the level. How much of a grind was it for you those first, you know, two, three years in the league, just trying to, you know, how, how, how do you get better if you're not getting in the games? Right, right. Uh, basketball, it is a fun sport. It's something you can go out and play, play with a friend, shoot by yourself. You can play pickup games. You can find a game anywhere. Yeah. Football, you can't really – you can't really just go throw a ball by yourself. You know what I mean? So – but yeah. at that level, it's so much more than just throwing a ball. Um, it's the makeup of the person. It's the makeup of the quarterback. It's being able to call a play in the huddle. You shift to green left to SF short, spire two wide bananas, he over, ends up for 359 smoke. Like, you got to be able to spit it out. You got to know the knowledge uh, that's that's behind playing a quarterback. So there's not as many opportunities like for NBA basketball. You don't have 82 games. You have 16 games. And to get opportunities in practice, 
there's only so many reps in practice. Usually the first string guy gets those reps. So, you know, a lot of times you got to find, you know, maybe an equipment manager or throw into a net uh, to just get your throws in. And then the film work, you know, the plays aren't really designed for you as a backup. You really have to go through, you know, what the starter would want to do and then prepare like as if you're playing, but you're not. It's really tough. I tell people it's, it's harder to get the position of being the starter than it is harder to, to be successful when you are the starter. And, and so the, just to get that opportunity of starting, it, it takes work, it takes luck. Maybe you're drafted high. Maybe the guy in front of you doesn't, it doesn't play well. Maybe the guy in front of you, he gets hurt. So you just got to have a lot of things go your way. But my dad always taught me one thing. He says it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So those moments are hard to get. You got to work for it, and the grind never stops. And and then you went on to have a 15-year career, and you've got a Super Bowl ring. And how many guys play 10, 15 years in the league and never get a sniff? It's hard. You yes. got. I mean, my first uh, my first um, seven years in Minnesota, we went to the playoffs six times, and we didn't win a game. And then we didn't win the playoff game. Like we had some really good teams, we just didn't win. Like. And so to get in the playoffs, it's like, you, you're, it's like your city or your town or your organization should throw a big party for just making it to the playoffs. That's how hard it is. And then in the playoffs, you got to get hot at the right time, stay healthy, and hopefully you can win it all. So it, it's, it's, it's tough to do, and uh, that's what makes it so great when you do accomplish it, though. When you got to Tampa, did you ever imagine that you'd win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, that was the goal my whole life. I mean, for every, every kid's dream. But – you know, I, growing up, I never won you know, in high school, college. I never won the last game of the season. I didn't win a state championship. Didn't win a national championship. I got close, but didn't never won it. You know, I've been in the pros for 10 years by the time I got to Tampa and we actually won it. So that's a quest. And, and uh, it takes great coaches, great players to do it. We in Tampa, even, even when you have great players, there's no guarantee. I mean, everybody, everybody at that level is really, really good. So, but when you do when you do accomplish it, you'll notice the greatness of those around you. So the team in Tampa, we had three guys that made it to the Hall of Fame with John Lynch and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. And then we had a couple more that might make it with Rodney Barber and Simeon Rice. And then had some great coaches. Obviously, John Gruden was our head coach, but then Mike Tomlin went on to be a head coach and won it with Pittsburgh. And uh, Rich Versace became a head coach. And then uh, he's our special teams coach. And Rod Marinelli became a head coach. And, Joe Barry, he became a coordinator and all these other coaches. So you see the greatness of the, of the people. Those are just the guys that you know about. There's so many other players that were Pro Bowl players that weren't Hall of Famers, but just it takes accumulation of a lot of, a lot of hard work and, and, and being lucky at the same time too. Yeah. Now, what is it like for talk, you? Talk about you now. Oh, your, yeah, go right ahead, Well, I was just going to ask about sure. now, you know, you had this massive, you know, massively successful professional football career. Now you're, you know, you're, you're 14, 15 years removed from the NFL. And now all of a sudden, were you expecting to get famous from shooting from behind the backboard and throwing footballs the length of the court and, you know, doing the bounce spin off the board and in. Yeah. You're doing these insane, crazy shots. Yeah. 
Yeah, with the the uh, two years ago when the pandemic hit, uh, my family I got we have two boys. My wife Nikki and I she, we've been married twenty three years. Got two boys now. They they both go to Texas A and M, and so. But during the pandemic, we're just around the house, and they were on this TikTok thing, and then we started doing some family dances. But I'm not, I'm not uh, Fred Astaire. I'm not really smooth with my dances, so they wouldn't <laughs> let me be a part of the dances. So I was the camera guy, and then. But I started when I got on there. I started originally. I started making uh, videos of my workout videos, and some some of my playing days, and then. But the more I watched TikTok, I saw a lot of people were making some crazy trick shots. But a lot of those people, they do like one trick shot. And it may be a baseball bat and hit a basketball the length of the court or something. And I say, you know, I'm going to do something different. So I'm, my goal is to make three, four, maybe five shots in a row in, in sequence and don't cut the tape. So, you know, I, it, it, do I do it first time? No. <laughs> but to be able to do it, it's, it, it takes work. It takes don't get tired, don't quit. And then eventually, you know, hopefully it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And then I got to come back the next day and do it. But I've had fun doing it. And to accomplish some of those shots and be able to do it, like it takes, it takes work, it takes skill, it takes being repetitive. Then I've got to, you know, keep the keep the camera and the tripod in, in in play, and then and and all those kind of things. But when I when you see me celebrate, that's for real. Like it took work, and so those are the kind of things I I enjoy doing. And so obviously, it's you know, hopefully it's gotten around the the country and those kind of things. And when we started, I actually the big bad Brad hat. Is what yeah. we've done. So here it is. This was the hat that I kind of always celebrate with right here. This Big Bad Brad. I actually got uh, the Super Bowl logo right there on there. This was given to me a long time ago, but we've actually raised a lot of money for people. If you go on uh, uh, cafepress.com backslash uh, Big Bad Brad, and you'll, you can buy things on there. And all that money goes to a charity called Beyond Our Borders. So it's been, it's been fun to uh, raise a lot of money and awareness to the charity I'm involved with, but just a simple habit. I have a lot of fun out there making some crazy shots too. Oh, God. Uh, I've watched them and I, you know, being a bit of a cynic, I look and I'm looking for the breaks. I'm looking for the editing. <laughs> There's no break. There is no break. There's no, no. editing. You no, know, no, I, no, I ain't gonna cheat. Uh, <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, now was there some places that were tougher than others to play in some stadiums? Um, as far as stadiums, I think, I think obviously cold weather places. Um, I think it's really weird. Like Chicago, Chicago is, it does get cold. It's on the water and it gets windy. Like you've seen it like that's for real. Like, you know, so Chicago uh, gets windy. Cleveland gets windy. Buffalo gets windy. You know, the, the wind is a big – you kind of get used to the cold sometimes, but the wind is a big factor. So, you know, th those, are, those are the biggest issues um, that I had is, is windy places, as, and not alone being cold. But, uh, but great players make – you know, give you a chance to win regardless of where you play at, those kind of things. But those are, those are some issues that kind of occur throughout the league. You saw it last year with uh, New England played um, – Buffalo. I think it was in Buffalo. I think New England only threw it like one time. Like those, those are real issues. Like, you know, you've seen kickers in, in Chicago kick it and then the ball ends up hitting the pylon going through the tunnel where the players go. Like those, those are real issues. So you're always looking at the wind, checking the flags, just, you know, it's, it's, but it's just part of the game. 
All right. And uh, you, I, I, no, I'm, th I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, you know, you, you were in high school, you were the big man on campus. You must have been. And then you go to Florida State and you're a two sport athlete, big man on campus. You have an NFL career. And it's just wonderful seeing you now. I didn't know that you were doing the Big Bad Brad hats for charity. Do, 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 what do you see coming down the pipe for you? You don't, you know, you, you, you seem like you're just getting warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 53 years old. I got two boys playing at Texas A&M. So okay. I've been involved with uh, coaching youth football, middle school football, high school football, went to the state championship last couple of years. We didn't win. It got beaten overtime. Uh, so it's kind of disappointing. But coaching my kids was really fun. And, and then I coached a lot of little kids on the side, uh, quarterbacks, just maybe a middle school kid, try to help them become a starter for his level. If it's a high school kid, maybe can get him to all-conference level, maybe give him a scholarship, those kind of things. So work with a lot of kids one-on-one -on -one like that. And then I got a couple uh, – Golf tournaments I'm a part of, a couple charity parts that I've been a part of with a long time, the Evelyn Foundation in Asheville, North Carolina, and then Beyond All Borders in Asheville, North Carolina, where I come from. So, But I have humble beginnings come, growing up where I came from and try to give back to people, try to help other people too. That's, yeah, it's, it's so great to see that, you know, from athletes such as yourself. Now, what about when you played for Dallas, right? What was it like? Yeah. Because you played for uh, Washington before. So now you're on the other side because this is one of the right. big rivals of the right. uh, NFC East. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up in North Carolina, when I did, there wasn't Carolina Panthers or Tennessee Titans. The Atlanta Falcons weren't any good. The only team we'd ever get to watch on Sundays growing up was pretty much the Washington Redskins because mm. you didn't have all the, the NFL package. You only get like one game a week and then you get a Monday night game. Like you didn't. So watching TV was big growing up. And so the Redskins were my favorite team. So I hated the Dallas Cowboys growing up, you know what I mean? So hate them. And, uh, but cause that was the big rivalry, you know? And so then, you know, later in my career, I got to finish my last two years in Dallas, but I loved it. Love playing for Wade Phillips, head coach and Jason Garrett, the coordinator. And, and, and it is different. I mean, it's called America's team and you're going to have the difference with Dallas Cowboys. You are going to have sit you, the most games you can have at night games are six. You're going to get six night games. You're going to be in primetime games, the four o'clock, seven o'clock games, the Monday night games, the Sunday night games. Like, and then, you know, before in warm ups, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, the sidelines are going to be packed. Maybe superstars, celebrities, it's kind of like the Lakers, what you see. So it is more, there's always going to be coverage of the Dallas Cowboys um, on ESPN and all those kind of things. It's kind of like all those is good news, you know what I mean, for, for the Cowboys kind of thing, publicity wise. But, uh, we had some great years there. Had two years, I, I was backing up Tony Romo. So at that point in my career, I was pretty much done playing. But I love being there, love living there. And uh, it was a fun time. What's it like to see Tony Romo announcing? I mean, he does such a great job. I never imagined that he'd be such an elite announcer. I mean, one of the best around. Yeah, Tony on TV. I mean, he was kind of always a fun-loving guy to be around. You know, like. It wasn't really ever a bad day with Tony. And our meetings were, you know, half the time we're talking about high school proms or uh, all-star baseball games or whatever we did, middle school and high school, kind of college, kind of bragging on our little things that we do, just all the funny stories growing up. And then we get the details of the game. And 
all the, all those kind of things. But he was he's just fun to be around. He was he was really one of the best playmakers I was ever with. And I was with a lot of legendary quarterbacks throughout my career, but he was really he could just make things happen, kind of like he had eyes in the back of his head and stuff. But but he's really he's great on TV because he's funny. He he explains the game, uh, tries to. Uh, share his knowledge, share his playing experiences, but, but he's never bragging. He's always just kind of like, kind of calls it out like you'd want to hear it, you know? So he's fun to listen to. And obviously um, he's going to have a long career on the, on the, on the TV channel calling games. Yeah. I got to ask you now, um, you got to find a way to get Canada involved in this. Cause we were talking about the NFL. We're talking about the United States. Got to find an angle to get the CFL in here. Well, Washington had a Super Bowl winning team with Joe Theismann at quarterback. Do you ever meet him? He used to play for the Toronto Argonauts in the Canadian yeah. Football League. Yep, yeah, I've met Joe a few times uh, up in Washington when I put when I did play for the Redskins, Commanders, or however they want to call them now, you know. But um, met him a few times there, and then when he was a TV announcer, so he called some of my games there, and then obviously you know uh, Doug Flutie played up there, Jeff Garcia played there, so. I love watching football and uh, it's a different rules kind of hadn't really figured it out yet with 12 guys on the field, the length and the width of the field, but, but, it's, but guys compete, guys play. And at the end of the day, you got to throw and catch and hit and tackle and all those kind of things, but it's a different kind of game, but, but it extends careers too. So it's pretty, pretty fun. And Danny McManus, uh, Danny McManus, he's a, uh, he's a guy I went to school with at Florida state and, yeah. uh, played, I think he played 18, 19 years in Canadian league and been part of for the, for front the offices too. Yeah, he was a big for the Calgary Stampeders. Yep, and no doubt. Did uh, you, yourself, like Danny McManus, was an amazing QB. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever give any consideration? You know. No, no. I was in. I was in the NFL the whole time, and then when I got done, I was done with football. I, I retired at forty, so I was done with football at that time. So, but I'd watch some games on TV though. Okay. Now, when you were with Tampa Bay, were you glad that they, you know, by the time you got there, they switched over to like the badass uniforms because those uh, orange ones, and I guess they're bringing them back too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The creamsicles, the yeah. orange and had the, uh, had the guy, the, the guy with a feather in his I think the, the owner's logo, daughter so. designed them way back in 79 when it, when they came out. Yeah, now it's a, now it's a cool thing to wear. Yeah. Back then it wasn't, you know what I mean. So, but I think they are coming back with. Uh, they've worn the orange colors a couple of times. I think I don't know if they're wearing it this year or next year. They, they, there's something that came out about, it. but no, I never wore the uh, the cream sickles down yeah. there in Tampa. No, you were probably glad that you that you did. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> and I got one more question for you. You, you mentioned the, the you know, I, I, I cannot get used to saying anything but the Washington Redskins or, or, or the Cleveland Indians. And I know that, may, you know, yep. what, do you have any thoughts on that with uh, what's going on in, you know, with the renaming re, of, of franchises? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. So it's hard to speak for some people. I went to Florida State, so we were called the, the Seminoles. Seminoles. And yeah. I remember Bobby Bowden, he went and met with the Seminole tribe, and they loved it. They loved, and he welcomed them. And then we had Chief Osceola and, and all those things that the Indian would come out and, and throw the spear down. We kind of celebrated it. Really, it was a celebration of the Indian, of the Seminole tribe. So, you know what? It, this time of day, it's really hard to explain. You know what I mean? So 
I, I consider it honored. I consider myself to, to be a Washington Redskin former player. And that was a, that was a dream come true for me. And I honored that. And I know they changed the name. So I'm all, I'll honor the commanders too, you know, but, um, so I can't fight against, um, I don't know. I don't know who's really against it or not, to be honest with you. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't know who's against it, but I consider yeah. myself fortunate enough to play for that, that franchise. One thing I did wanted to ask you is what was it like to play for Denny Green? What a legend. Yeah, I love playing for Denny Green. He drafted me, took a chance on me. He was great at he was great at um, developing players, had some tremendous coaches that went on to become head coaches. Uh, Brian Billick went on to win a Super Bowl, and Tyrone Willingham left us. Was at Stanford, Notre Dame. And, uh, Tony Dungy was there, won a Super Bowl, Hall of Fame coach, and so he had a bunch of guys like that. But he, he developed players. I thought he was phenomenal at his practice schedule, uh, taking care of players, not killing them with the pads, and do the right things. But I tell you something, to be honest with you, it was really cool. Two things Denny did great were also. Uh, on Tuesdays, that's our day off. And Tuesdays, he'd always have players out in the community doing, you know, whether you're going to speak at a boys and girls club or whether you're at a hospital or some kind of community service. And he always, he'd always warned you to go vote, you know, when the, when the vote days came up. And then the other thing, we practiced, we always would do a scrimmage before the, uh, the very first preseason game. So we practiced. Honestly, we practiced in that mock game, scrimmage game. We'd practice the national anthem, uh, putting your hand over your heart, holding your helmet, and your left hand, put your and, and celebrate what America was, you know, the greatness of, of of being being American, you know, and the privilege it was to play football and and honor all those that you know had fought for this country for us. So I, I'm very very thankful for Denny uh, drafting me in my seven years with him. Yeah, that's great. Now, as some, let me ask you, as someone who lives in Georgia, do you follow Georgia football also? Because they've become a power. I mean, they always were, but they've just been a powerhouse. Yeah, we live in uh, Athens, Georgia. So yeah. uh, my brother-in-law, he was the head coach, uh, Mark Rick, he was the head coach of Georgia. So uh, for 15 years, so I've been kind of involved with Georgia football for a while. Now Kirby Smart's the head coach. And obviously they won a national championship last year. So we're, we're living, I'm, I'm probably 10 minutes away from the stadium. Yeah, because I grew up in Michigan, so I'm a big Wolverines fan, and there was nobody that was going to beat Georgia this year. You know, they just totally dominated. Yeah, yeah, they've done a great job in recruiting, and they've been strong, strong, so they, they got a chance to repeat. We'll see how they do. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, please let everyone know your website so they can, you know, purchase your we're, we're, we're gear for charity. You. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Talk a bit about the charity, what they do, the charity. Exactly, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, on TikTok, it's Big Bad Brad 14. And then the the when you buy the, the gear, there's all kinds of stuff on there. Football, basketball, hats, T-shirts, paraphernalia, all that stuff. But it's, it's cafepress.com uh, backslash Big Bad Brad 14. But basically, it helps people in, in, in Western North Carolina. It pays for food. It pays for uh, housing. It pays for... Um, uh, medical supplies, anything that has to do with people. Uh, homeless people has all of the board from A to Z. So the money goes directly to the people. Doesn't go to, it's not going to pay for, uh, for workers. So that's the greatness of the charity. I've been involved with the Evelyn Foundation for, for 20 years now. I had a golf tournament with them. I can't, it's crazy. 
see how much money we've raised over time. And then and the other charity is called Beyond All Borders. So, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. It's, it's Brad underscore Johnson underscore 14. You'll see all the trick shots and all the, all the fun stuff that comes with it. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. 